Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. My name is Charles Simon, I'm the host of the Going in Circles podcast network. My co-host on the Big Monday show, Dr. Barry Spears, will be with us right after the first break. Not too long before we recorded this show, Churchill Downs lobbed a grenade at the Baffert camp and barred him again. For another year, so we will talk about that because crazy it may sound, people like to talk about it. Uh, we will also talk about the Stephen Foster and uh, the lack of grade one ishness it had. Look ahead to Belmont's weekend card, the final card at Belmont. Some interesting races on Saturday. Uh, the Suburban, not that interesting. But the other races, uh, the stakes are good races. And, uh, you know, look ahead to Saratoga. Talk about a bunch of different things. Uh, so we'll be back right after this first break. <clears throat> Barry Spears. Chuck Simon. It's good to hear Chuck, your voice. Chuck. Yeah? On this day before a holiday oh it's after sunday and belmont ran today day yeah it was weird all day was weird to be honest it, it was it was weird and then <coughs> seemed like it was a, a day that was going to be lacking in controversy other than but? uh the takedown in the second race at belmont which i kind of thought was warranted though anything involving irad of course draws scorn <laughs> But anything involving Bob Baffert really draws scorn. Oh, man. Churchill they down. stepped it up a notch. They they clicked it up two notches from that I read incident thing. They, 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 they dropped a hammer on Mr. Baffert. Going against the Going in Circles collective uh, advice of moving on and going back to paying attention to the race. But uh, apparently he has really touched nerves at, at uh, the executive offices of the corporate. <laughs> it's an understatement. Because they're going to ban you for a whole other year? You must have really it, ruffled it, a feather or two. Not only that, but the, the way that they worded their statement, um, basically calling him out. <laughs> uh, and it was... I mean, it seems personal at this point. And I just want to clarify to everyone on Twitter, will you please stop with the the, in, the, the stupid shit about... He can't sue them and win. He's already lost. <laughs> they can. They have the right to do this. They have the right to do this. Period. It's not even de- up for debate anymore. I mean, he's already sued them ab- about over over the exclusion and and lost in court. So he's not going to sue them. Right. Maybe he will. Who knows? But he's not going to win. I mean, he's he's got the the firepower to do it, but... I mean, he sued them before with with cases that had little to no chance. So it's not out of realm of possibility, but the fact of the matter is that that is not something that we need to talk about anymore. They can do it. They can do it legally. It's there. They're in control of that property. Right. And I think, I think a lot of people get 
confused and think that it has to go through some sort of progression. Right. It's at their whim. Like, you know, it's, it's private property. They can say, no, you're not allowed to come on our property at any point, at any time, to anybody. <laughs> and I think that that concept is missed because I, I saw people comparing it to, you know, Safi who is like, they need due process. No, they don't actually. No, there, there, there's no due process between a private company and a private citizen. Due process involves the government. The government must give you due process. Must They must regard your rights. A private company can just tell you they don't want your business. And unless they're doing something discriminatory, and even now, like there was just a case that the Supreme Court overturned. Right, with the... Uh, with wildly the... enough, sounds like it, it was a fake case that somehow made it to the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, but, you know, so like... Right, it's like doubling down on what CDI did. Basically. There's, there's, there's no, there's no right uh, in the Constitution to run at Churchill Downs, and right. you know, for the people that want to use that tired old, you know, right to make a living, he has a right to make a living. He has an ability to make a living. He just can't make that living at Churchill Downs. So, or any of the racetracks, and it's just the way it is. Right, they wanted to do it, and this is what they chose to do. Listen, and, I know a guy, and he got booted out of Chuck E. Cheese, and he was booted out of all the Chuck E. Cheeses in the country. Don't ask really? what he did. I don't even. It was, you know, he created. He he started a full scale brawl in Chuck E. Cheese over a kid's birthday party, <laughs> but he got barred from all of them. Like he, the corporate office said, he's not allowed in any. You know how how it would be enforced if he went to a Chuck E. Cheese in like Oregon. I, I'm I'm not sure that they all have his picture. His but, pic- but, but they might. They might. It's it, it's it's not that different. I mean, to us, mm-hmm. for us, theoretically, it's like okay, great. You know, more uh, more fodder for the slow weeks. Leading up to the Derby, you know, we can talk about which favorite horse is going to get transferred to who and which one will uh, see his form deteriorate. But I'm with you. It gets tiresome. It's like it's like old hat now. It's like, all right, we're, we're, talking about. I thought we were done with this. I mean, it's like if, if Germany turned on Japan in World War II, you know, like <laughs> which side are you taking? <laughs> You know, there's, there's no good sides in this. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's missed, you know, partly on, on this. There there really isn't. It's just, it's petty and it's a personal battle at this point. So it really doesn't mean much. I mean, it may to Bob, obviously, if he wants to run in the Derby. Other well, yeah, than that, I mean, it's it's got to be like a giant thorn in his side. Yeah, it's huge. But story let me this let me just go on a a, a, a slight rant. This is a please. Rant. Let me just explain to you people how it works in horse racing. <laughs> <laughs> Race tracks are bullies. They've always been bullies. They assign the stalls. They control you with that. Now it's something that we talk about here, in that the racetracks have lost control <clears throat> in some ways. By li- allowing unlimited stalls, that that's how they control you. Is is the chief way they control you is through your stall allocation, and 
you see the big guys with a million starts because those guys get the silver platter treatment. Most everyone else gets, uh, they're under the thumb of the tracks. And we're talking all of them. We're not talking just Churchill Downs. All of them. The tracks treat horsemen like shit. And they always have. They want to tell you where to run your horse. They want to tell you you can't ship out. They, they want to tell you, um, you know, they write the races. They determine what races go. And, and it's not a coincidence that the same guys at certain tracks get in the races with four or five horses. And you say to yourself, well, how, how did this race go with, with, uh, with five when the race I was in last week, you guys wouldn't let it go with six? Well, there's a reason for that. Um, and <clears throat> it's very difficult for, for many horsemen to conjure up sympathy for guys like Bob Baffert or even in a lesser extent, Safi Joseph, because these guys are, are the silver platter guys. They get the white glove treatment and they get the silver platter and they pretty much have gotten whatever they wanted. And now they're not. And it, the truth is it's almost uh, a, a positive in, in one way in seeing that, Hey, they can treat the big the big trainers bad too, and hey, they're willing to scratch Todd Pletcher's Derby favorite morning of the race, and that's not like we're cheerleading that, but it's about the fairest thing that's ever happened in horse racing. I was gonna say it probably is a little refreshing that something like that occurs. I, I, I've talked this told this story before, but and I, I will not say the person's name, but. There was a post yesterday about like you know a poll of who's the cleanest trainer, and that's that's just like the dumbest thing. <laughs> it's just stupid. Well, that's how you know that because I know uh, a trainer that supposedly is you know clean as clean can be, who's had tons of positives and had a lot of them suppressed because they don't want to ruin the reputation of the person, or you know because they have authority within the track because of a owner on a board or something like that and to think that the the ones that i uh, i personally know about are the only ones that ever happened or is is stupid i mean <laughs> clearly it's happened in a lot of other cases look at the justify case mm. look at the justify case how how that was handled and this is the thing is that um you know is it a little scary that racetracks can just decide that you know they they don't they don't want you there anymore. Yeah, but guess what, guys? Most of us have been dealing with that since day one. <laughs> and I'm not a person that that really had much trouble with the tracks over the years that I trained because I also wasn't a person that complained a lot. I, I didn't bitch about every single thing. A lot of horsemen, and that's one of the fallacies of of social media is that horsemen don't complain. Horsemen complain about everything. They complain about other trainers incessantly. It's it's like, you know, it's it's a false narrative that, that the trainers are all in cahoots. That's not true. That's not true. Believe me, the the, the person uh, a top trainer can trust the least is another trainer. <laughs> That's true, though. It is true. 
It is true. But, you know, so I'm not talking from a, a point of, oh, the tracks treated me bad. Because for the most part, they didn't treat me bad. But, you know what? I also wasn't a guy who asked for a bunch of favors. And, and I was also a guy that ran his horses and, and ran, you know, competitive horses. Didn't run 50 to 1 shots that often. And, and you know, didn't uh, you know, spend uh, five months in between races either. So, you know, I'm not complaining from a personal standpoint, but I've seen it happen a lot. A lot. Oh. Well, it's only natural because when you see guys and gals that um, they kind of get the run of the mill and you're you're sitting on the sidelines like, oh, well, how come I don't get that treatment? <laughs> There's going to be some complaint, you know. Listen, man, this is just the way it is. It's always been. It, it's just kind of like the heist of nonsense that's happening now. Uh, I mean, you're going to give a guy two years. Everybody's getting two years. <laughs> for, for Regimate or Isoxaprine. It's, it's equating minor violations of non-performance enhancing drugs. And don't give me this, oh, well, uh, no, that's, it's bullshit. We've used the isoxaprine since I was a kid in 1985, they were using it. It doesn't, it, it just helps circulation. It doesn't make horses run faster, period. If you give it to a normal horse, it's not going to help them. It's not going to do anything for them. It, so, it, it's just stupid. And, and, and Regimate, the one that Mac Robertson got, that's... That's what we give the mares to keep them from coming in season. It doesn't sound like a performance enhancer. It's it's just so stupid. Well, it, it, you're 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 tying. You're basically the the one size fits all penalty. Is uh, well, number one, it it's disruptive. Number yeah. two is. No one regulates these regulators, which has been a complaint of mine forever. There's nobody overseeing them. They're doing whatever they want. They're calling whatever they want. And, you know, they're, they're making up the rules as we go along. I, I ran thousands of horses in my day. And I have no idea what the, what the, um, the threshold was for any medication ever. I have no idea. We don't have any idea. We have no clue. So now if you change them and you're trying to treat the horse and, and you're, you're, you're pushing it further out and you think you're okay and you're not, well, that's because they've moved the, the rules. They've changed the rules. They've moved the, the, the speed limits and no one told anyone. Or you put the thresholds such low or you don't have thresholds where any tiny um, contact can become a contaminant. And it's just uh, the the people don't get that the the levels that are tested for in horses are way 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 smaller than tested in humans. So, how did we get to the picogram thing anyway? Like, there would be a it would be a really boring. Like 30 to 30. 
but <clears throat> testing evolved, but the rules evolved slower. Okay. And that's part of the problem is that the labs were creating the thresholds and in some cases based on detection level. So if they could detect it, then it was called a positive. Um, it just got, it screwed up. It's always been screwed up. And we were hoping that uh, at the very least you would get consistent rules where everyone knew what they were and you felt safe. You didn't feel like you're playing Russian roulette every time you raced a horse. And guys that push the envelope, I don't have sympathy for them. I don't think they should get two-year suspensions for non-performance dancing drugs. I think that's ludicrous. That's like giving a guy, you know, six months in jail because he, he you know, came to a rolling stop. <laughs> but there's a difference between that and between getting a positive for something that you have no idea what it even is. And I know everyone <clears throat> claim that, oh, they're just making excuses, this and that, and the other thing. But none of you people out there can definitively say, oh, well, this is he's lying because of this. You don't know. You don't have any idea. You have no clue. None of us do. We don't know. We don't know when the horse was exposed to whatever drug or medication or where it came from in a lot of times, a lot of ways. It's not necessarily something that, that you even gave the horse or even knowingly gave the horse. And this isn't making excuses for anybody, but this is saying that the same thing that I've been preaching since we started this, I think one of the first podcasts I did, maybe before you even started doing them, was don't believe the testing is, is a good system. It's a horrible system. It's always been a horrible system, and it feels now like it's a wildly inefficient, horrible system, except... <coughs> It's, we're we're getting more. They're casting a wider net, right? And that 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 might not be good either. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're catching these, you know, borderline kind of positives, it's not a deterrent and it's not effective because you're kind of catching the wrong guys in in a sense or the wrong people. You're just casting a wider net. And I mean, I think the guy in Ohio, who's a 5% trainer lifetime, I think the horse that tested positive finished like 25 lengths behind. <laughs> it's just, it's just over the top. It's over the top regulation. And You just see more and more guys getting positives. And like I said, I can't defend them because I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. They know. But I know lots of cases where I knew the guy and the guys that took, I never even heard of this stuff. You know, like I have no idea where it was come from, where the, where the same vets that worked for me and worked for the guy, another guy. And the vet would tell me, he said, we wouldn't know why would you even use something like that like what would be the point what does it even do i think one thing that, that racing uh social media does is give vets and trainers 
way too much credit. Yeah. For being like um, chemists. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to any of the transcripts from the Navarro case, I mean, they didn't even know what they were doing, what they were giving. They were getting stuff from the harness guys. They, they didn't even know what, what it was. Probably still don't know what it is. That's what I mean. Like they were giving it because this guy said that he was using it and his horses were winning, so they gave it to the horse. It's not as though that, that there's these these laboratories and people's <coughs> basements that they're going down and, and formulating everything to a T. And trust me, don't believe that anybody or everybody is, is guilty or anybody's innocent. I was working for a vet and I was, I was helping him out. This was a long time ago. And there's a trainer. He doesn't train anymore. He's still involved in the business. And he um, had a reputation of being a little eccentric. <laughs> um, he had shipped a horse to Florida. He wasn't a guy that came to Florida very often. And Doctor, I won't even say the the vet's name, but the doctor I was helping out, um, and I I was doing it to try to learn. I was working as a foreman, so I was trying to learn about, you know, different things. The horse came with a set of medications, um, like a a formula almost, when the, the vet was supposed to give the medication one of them at nine o'clock in the morning and a different one at 11 30 and one at two one at four and i remember the vet said just draw them all up at once and, and i said you're not gonna you know he goes no i'm not doing that i'm gonna give them all now <laughs> and, and we're talking four or five days out from the race it wasn't like it was the, you know, the next day and and nothing was illegal it was all legal drugs <clears throat> but he was like I got, I got a two o'clock tea time. I don't have time to go back and treat this guy's horse five times in a day. <laughs> but it's a guy that if, if you told him he said his name, you'd be like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not only it was no mistake. This guy actually did know the withdrawal times and, and um, you know, the, the, the probably the effectiveness he he had done research. Someone had done research, um, and I I never forgot that. And, and I said, even now, if you said his name, people would be like, "No, I don't believe it." Well, well you can not believe it, but I was there, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's hard to believe if that's the only horse that he treated like that. So. I don't know, man. It's it's just gotten to be so. The, the, everything in this business has gotten to be built upon uh, rumors and technicalities, and it's it's just. I wouldn't be a trainer anymore. I've said this. I've I've certainly been outspoken enough against Tyson because I think it's a shitty legislation. I think it's been poorly. I think the conception was not great. I don't think the end result is going to be good. I think that it's it's heavy-handed. It hasn't been done properly. Uh, it takes 
it, it goes delves into areas it shouldn't be really involved with. It ignores areas that are crying out for help. Um, and in the end, there's really no oversight to it. They can do whatever they want. And uh, that's really what you should be scared of if, if you're involved in this business. That, not, not Churchill Downs telling Bob Baffert uh, he can't play. Remember one thing about Bob Baffert. Uh, really not even about Bob Baffert. Remember one thing about Churchill Downs executives. There's a good chance if you're a trainer, they have no idea who you are. Unless your name is Brad Cox or Todd Pletcher or Bob Baffert or, um, you know, Wayne Lucas or someone like that. They probably don't know who you are. They're not going to ban you. If you get a positive <laughs> in the Derby, they'll probably ban you. But that doesn't happen. You know, that's one race a year. And now if you get a positive in the Derby, you're really stupid. Oh, man. But, uh, <clears throat> no, it's it just it's it's just another fight between two superpowers that the rest of us are just kind of watching, you know. It's, yeah, no, it's we're King witnesses Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> you know, all you want to do is get out of the way. <laughs> so, so, anyways, so how was your weekend? Good. Good. Didn't blow any pinkies off, shooting off fireworks. No, no, I, I, I bought some, but we're gonna see how that turns out tomorrow. You know, I gotta admit that I, I never was really a big fireworks guy. It never really like resonated that much with me. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure my neighbors two years ago probably bought like two thousand dollars worth of fireworks they put on a show oh man it was unbelievable uh, i guess i guess you know some people love it yeah never really got i'm that. not i'm i'm with you I'm, I'm 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 a sparkler maybe a bottle rocket roman candle yeah and that's pretty much it <laughs> when we were kids me and my brothers blew up well me and my middle brother blew up my youngest brother's tonka truck with with uh, with fireworks, we stuck them inside and lighted, lit them, and blew it up. We got in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. I'm not a big fireworks guy. <clears throat> well, I have like five fireworks places within like a two mile radius from my house. <laughs> <laughs> So that helps, like, contribute because they've been at it all weekend. You know, it's funny how they pop up just out of nowhere. Yeah, there's, there's. They got the ones in the parking lot, but there's a brick and mortar like Phantom Fireworks near my house. Really, and it's pretty big, and it's it's like an ordeal to like get in there. It's crazy. You have to give them your license and all kinds of. It's crazy. Like just for fireworks? Yeah, man. I don't get it. But anyways, well, I guess the HRN uh, Stiletta Boy is shooting for an Eclipse Award this weekend in the uh, Ellis Park version of Stephen Foster. That that article didn't age very well. Yeah, what what was the point of that? 
I don't know. I'm not sure why Stiletto Boy suddenly became like the the the, the cause celebrity man. Uh, he wins one race a year. Usually gets lucky to do it. And he was. He hey, was. Listen, whatever. We need horses like him. It's great to have them because they they run a lot. And you know he's he does dance quite a few dances. He's just mm-hmm. you know he's just not a really a great one night horse. He might have won a great one race, but you know, I mean, the Washington Wizards are going to win some games next year. Yeah, they're not going to go over. I mean, yeah, right. So you know, doesn't make them like a good team. They're just. Sometimes you just have bad grade ones. And unfortunately, right. we're going to have bad grade ones for that division the rest of the year because there just aren't very many good horses. And we said this last November when all the good ones were retiring. And we said, well, who's going to be left? Art Collector and the Seven Dwarfs. And even Art Collector is kind of on the fritz. <laughs> he had his one nice race, and then he's kind of been, you know, middling. Early I mean, West, West Willpower ran well the other day, and you know, occasionally <clears throat> he, he shows up and, and runs a big race, but he's just not all that consistent. Um, and no, I, I mean, look at I don't know what, what happened have... to uh Proxy, he, he kind of checked so Rosario got him in a little bit of trouble, and then he was just done because he kind of threatened to maybe be okay, and then he looks like he's going the wrong way. Yeah, that that race kind of unfolded in a way that I really thought wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Because I I think everybody knew um, West Willpower is going to show a lot of speed. Um, Smile Happy didn't really do much, which was disappointing because... The way he ran at Churchill against West Willpower was exactly what should have happened on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. Hence why West Willpower won. Because if that happened at Churchill on Derby Day or whenever that race was that they were in, it was the day before. It was on uh, Oaks Day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he would have won that day, too. If, if Smile Happy didn't press him and just kind of go by him. I mean, he ran good that day. Um, well, Smile Happy, I mean, he he lost his race. Early, yeah. Before he, the he, race. He didn't get out. Yeah. yeah, before he even, you know, he, he threw a tantrum. I had talked to McPeak um, in May. And... I had asked him, I said, you know, what are you doing with him? Like, what's your plan with him? And, you know, I, I saw you wheeled him back real quick. Because remember, he ran him at Oaklawn, and then he, he ran him back like two weeks later in the Oaklawn Mile. And then he ran him in Churchill, and I said, was that the plan? Was the plan to get him, uh, you know, cut him back in distance and then just get a race, get a couple races at Oaklawn? And he said, no, he said the horse is, is a terribly temperamental horse. He had one guy that got along with the horse good. And basically the horse had to stay where, where that guy was because nobody else can, can get the horse to go. Um, so he said, that's why I chose that race at that time because he was, he got him going. He was going good. And 
he was behaving himself and he said, you know what, let's strike while the iron's hot. And, uh, I mean, and, and he showed that the other day and he just acted terrible. Oh man, that was ridiculous. He had to back him in. It, it took him like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, walk I mean, backwards to the gate. <laughs> you can kind of draw a, a line through that race. You know, the question mark is, is, is he going to do it again? Right. And you know, that's, any race that that horse is involved in going forward, you basically have to wait until, uh, you know, they're heading to the gate. So, you know, in case he does pitch a fit again. Yeah, that was really strange. Well, the Churchill Downs section of Ellis Park is is now over. <laughs> now so, the real Ellis Park begins. Yes, the real Ellis Park with the the seventy thousand dollar maidens, which which still aren't bad, but they're not the hundred and twenty thousand dollar maidens. Um, but I, I got a feeling that I mean, I guess until everyone shows or doesn't show, we won't know for sure. But it, it seems like the participation from the Kentucky trainers at the Saratoga meet this year might be a little bit uh, down. Might be a little bit shy. I don't think Dallas Stewart's coming. No, no, at all. No. Wow. I mean, he might ship up to to run, but I don't think he's taking stalls. I mean, it's expensive to come here. Yeah, I'm sure it's like super expensive. You're, you're talking like a lot of money just to come for two months, and the the housing situation is is brutal. Um, I mean, rents are through the roof and, you know, like trainers that have sizable stables, you're going to have a lot of assistance and, and, um, gallop people who don't necessarily qualify for rooms on the track. So you got to find them places to live and that's not going to be cheap. And, um, it's just, it's expensive. And, you know, unless you have, you're coming to, with a bunch of horses you think are going to win a bunch of races. Uh, you know, Slim Pickens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just an, a changing dynamic. And it's, listen, it's still going to be great. I mean, you know, you're going to have your, your, your weak cards. You're running five days a week. This era running five yeah, days a week say, is, this is age, a big you're, you're bound to get one or two bad cards or yeah. not as great as they probably should be but right you know colonial running um you know the purses are better colonials purses are pretty damn good Ellis purses are good um are they as good as saratoga no but they're formidable they're pretty good purses and and you don't have to spend any money to go there so so we'll see how it goes uh Colonial starts up uh, two weeks. Um, I don't know that they've changed the dates from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I believe it was the racing commission that, that wanted to move the dates. And I remember reading some of the transcript and... I just don't know how well this is going to work out. 
Maybe it will. But that was that was kind of the appeal, like the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of, of Colonial, at least for me. Yeah. Yep. You were the they were the big boys on those days, and now they're now they're going to be potentially lost between Saratoga and Del Mar, Monmouth, Ellis. Um, it's uh I mean, when you you list you read the the transcripts, basically they were like, "Oh well, not a lot of people can come to the races on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday," which is true. But I mean, I think they would have been better served having races Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and maybe have a couple cards like the Arlington Million card, um, having the Colonial, what's the, the Virginia Derby card, having them on a Saturday, right when you could have a big festival kind of thing but uh i think that they may well i mean i don't know the commission even cares other than they just want to do what they want to do say it sounds like they probably just doesn't they don't understand the dynamic of the of the whole industry and how you know the the big tracks dominate on the weekends yeah 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 well it'll uh It'll be interesting to see how it works out. So, but that's coming up soon too, and Delmar starts the week after Saratoga. It's hard to believe, but we're a couple of weeks away from. We're right there, yeah. Being in full summer flight. Stealing golf carts and everything. That's right. We don't call it stealing. We call it. Uh, Cleverly borrowing. Yes. Yes. Rideshare. Ah, Uber. That's right. It's, like, it's like a it's like a rideshare. Yeah, Golf hoping, cart Uber. I'm really hoping that the the rain situation. Or how about the uh, the smoke off. situation? <laughs> oh, smoke situation just comes <clears throat> so. Well, didn't they they cancel um, somebody this week, right? Or last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. Because of wildfires, Delaware canceled. There you go. Yeah, I guess that's just going to be a thing. I don't know. It's it goes away and then it comes back. What'd you do, man? Stop lighting fires in Canada, bro. All them Canadians, with them Smokey the Bear needs to be. Imported up to Ontario River, having them fires. <laughs> I think their fires are like way up in the middle of nowhere, like the Unabomber territory. <laughs> Nobody wants to be the Unabomber. Our guy's coming down, Garnett. He's, uh, I saw that. He said he's our, coming. One of our top Canadians. Yeah, he's going to be here. To a couple weeks, getting in the meat. He's going to open the meat of, kick the meat off. It should be a good meat. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. You know, the weather cooperates. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes relatively smoothly. <laughs> Relatively is the key. Yeah. Hope it doesn't turn into a chalky white situation. Oh no, we don't want that. We don't we don't want a bunch of four horse races and 
Three of five shots. It's really bad when that happens. <laughs> can't I can't express that enough. True. True. So any any other uh any other excitement from this weekend? Um, no. I actually played Monmouth this weekend, which was different. Yeah, Monmouth has not been on your radar that No. And and I didn't you know honestly it really wasn't too much on my radar and I and I just threw a, a, a couple small tickets out there and lo and behold we got one paid pretty good yeah considering the mammoth Bombarella Bombarella money Victory, Sweezy and, and sweet uh, victory, victory screech. The lobster silks were in the winner circle at Delaware. <laughs> Paco, Paco shipped for the day. It's so funny. Like after the horse ran, he ran him a couple times, and and Sweezy ran him in maiden specials. And they paid like ten thousand for the horse. Um. And he didn't run bad. He just kind of ran around there and, and looked like, you know, he might. He wasn't good enough, right? He just wasn't yeah. good enough. A little, little bit above his head, and, but he, he didn't run that bad. And all he really needed was, you know, some experience and class relief, easier, easier it. company, right? Class relief, and, and he got it, and he won. He won pretty easy. <laughs> so, so many people get so confused about that. You know, they want to. And the guy was telling me, "Well, I, I, I don't like his sire." I said, "Dude, he's a ten thousand. <laughs> who cares? Like, who do you think you're gonna get? Like, right? Like, like, what, what are you talking about? Like, the sire doesn't matter on those kind of horses. Wow. Like, listen, man, this, a horse yearlings average one hundred and seventy-five thousand. You get one for ten. They're probably missing a lung." <laughs> All that stuff doesn't matter at that level, man. You're just trying to find a horse that can win a race. And he did. He won a race. And, he, and you know, the horse looks like he's going to be okay. He's going to be all right. Yeah, he's going to make a little money. He's probably not going to win the Virginia Derby, but he's a winner. So, I mean, listen, people own horses, uh, especially when it's the first time you own a horse or one of the first times or you own them with your friends. It's fun to win. It's great. It's it's something that gets overlooked, and that the racetracks do a horrible job of of promoting, because it's a great feeling. In an era where you can bet on a horse and feel like shit when they win, and your odds are slashed, despite what mm. Ed De Rosa says, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, of course, it's a big deal. <clears throat> it's it's a really big deal when you bet. It's on a, a huge horse. deal to the betters. When when the mm. horse is twenty four to one leaving the gate and he goes off and he crests the wire thirteen to one, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal because your expectation level and it doesn't matter what the odds, the presumed odds are supposed to be or what the horse paid in doubles. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. This is not Wall Street. There are not a bunch of quants out there. This is <laughs> a bunch of people going to a racetrack 
that are, that are seeing something and they're putting their money down and they feel like they get ripped off. It doesn't matter if the horse was overvalued. It doesn't matter. You're trying to tell people that they shouldn't feel like a certain way. Well, of course they should. That's how they feel. They feel ripped off. Believe me, if you go to the store and you see a, a sticker on an item and, and it feels like a great deal and you go to the checkout and they say, this is not, this is not right. This is supposed to be, you know, three times as much. <laughs> You're going to say, oh, well, I'll get it anyways. No. And that's something that, that a whole generation of horse players never had to deal with. Literally a whole generation. So now you're telling me that they have to deal with it. And, and the fact of the matter is they're telling you that they're, they're not going to deal with it. They're going to, a lot of cases, walk away. That's all it is. The math doesn't always have to be the end all math is not uh, the, the one great thing about math is that it's it's emotionless for the most part <laughs> two plus two equals four it doesn't matter if you like that or you don't like that or you're happy about it or you're unhappy with it that's what it is the thing is this though in this business in this game people are are betting with their egos you're betting with your ego. You're not just betting money. You're betting with your ego. You you have doped this race out. You have found the horse. And, and you could say, I found a horse who should be lower odds than he is. I'm going to bet that horse because I think it has a chance, a, a good chance, better than its odds chance to winning. And now you're telling the person. As their odds change, past their ability to do anything about it, you're telling them that they're not that they're wrong. Of course they're not wrong. They're, of course they're not wrong. They're right. They have every single right to feel like, hey, I feel ripped off. And I may understand the the mechanics of how the ripoff occurred. And you might even be okay with being ripped off a little bit. <laughs> that's a, that's what happens. You know. It's like, you know, I, I equate it to <clears throat> steroids in, in in the NFL. They let you juice a little. And you get ripped off a little. <laughs> Listen, if you bet a horse, he's 8-1, to one, he crosses the wire, he's 7-1. to one. Uh, you know, <clears throat> It's fine. I mean, not thrilled about it, but you're not exactly going to... Right, you're not going to storm the castle. Case about it. Right. But if you bet a horse, he's 8-1, to one, and he he crosses the wire and he's three to one. Well, you're going to think like, well, that sucks. And and you're not going to say to yourself, Oh, it's okay though. Cause the double odds, you know, kind of correspond. Yeah, Nobody gives a shit. Why are they, <laughs> if it's that out of whack, what, why, why isn't it getting bet or after, you know, what, why doesn't it get evened out before that last flash? We all know why, because they get less, they get the last say every they time. They get the last right. Right. The, the, every game's a home game for them. They bat, they bat in the bottom of the ninth every game. I mean, it's, you know, trying to convince people that, 
the way they that the, the, they shouldn't feel ripped off is never gonna work. <laughs> That's never gonna work. It's it gets to be the point of. Right. That's, that's how that's how that's how riots start. That's I how don't. people start fighting. <laughs> I, I think we're in a situation now, though, it's even worse than riots. People just walk away. Just say, I'm like, they won't even they're not even right. They won't even protest. They'll just right. leave. They'll just get up and go. I, I, I've had a, a couple of people tell me that or they go on long breaks. Yeah. More and more and more. Uh, and you see things like uh, I know Chris and those guys are trying to you know, put together a boycott of Kentucky dance. Um, and, you know, I get what they're trying to do. It's not going to work because, you know, people like Kentucky Dance and the levels, you know, them raising at a point is, it's egregious. It's pretty egregious. It's not necessary considering what they get for subsidies and no, it's, it's so just, on. It's, it's not reasonable for that reason. It, as they have kind of molded the track into an elitist place. <laughs> right, where, where it didn't start out that way. No, it used to be the country fair kind of deal, and now it's like, hey, you know, 200 bucks to sit here and, and, and watch the race, where you can see things well for like 12 seconds. Right. They it's go a patch here. of grass, basically. Yeah. <laughs> hey, where's a good seat at the uh, Kentucky Downs. Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe the guy that uh, flies the the drone can see well. Everyone else can't see anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was they tried to sneak it in there, and it, it was it's unnecessary. It's greed. Right. It's greed. Right. It's pure, pure unadulterated greed because they could have kept it the way it was and been fine. And. Uh, you know, maybe the host fee got raised or something that we don't see. But it, in the end, it didn't have to be. But the boycott's not going to work, man. No, they tried that before, and it, it just never. Yeah, I think it was Keeneland, right? It was Keeneland. Boycotts will never work anymore because not with track, horse players, the no, tracks because they're will. they're they're about as loyal as their their. But off. it won't work for the, the tracks. Even if you could get them to boy people to boycott, the tracks would shrug it off. They don't care. They, the, 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 the money they make on racing is is a pittance compared to the money they make the other 360 days a year. They own slots. People come in, they give you money. They, they come to your facility and you just drop money off. <laughs> Essentially what they do. You're not providing, you're not producing a good you're doing a service, but it's not really a service. It's entertainment, I guess. But for the most part, people drive to your facility and are perfectly acceptable going in for a few hours, losing pretty much all that they brought, and then and they leave, and then they come back again. I mean, I'd want to run a slot parlor before I'd want to run a racetrack, too, if it was... It came, you know, if you had to choose one over the other, because one's going to be extremely lucrative and it's really not that difficult to do. <laughs> one of the one of my favorite sayings, <laughs> and it's I guess it's a track saying, I don't know where it came from, but it's, <laughs> you know, when somebody's just, you know, doesn't do well or they're losing, <clears throat> you can tell them 
then you can save them the aggravation next time by just giving you the $300 they were going to spend. Yeah. And you can go around the corner and kick them in the nuts and then that's fine. And that's essentially what the slot machines are. Like you said, they just drop off money and leave. It, yeah, you know. Just drop money off and off they go. It's like, I, I can save the aggravation. Just give me the 300 I'll kick you in the nuts and you can go home and feel satisfied. But, you know, <laughs> Kentucky Downs is owned by people who are racing people. And that's why sometimes it feels like like the world is just crashing down on us here because you they know get, right. you can't even get the racing people to like right to give you a break. Yeah, <laughs> you can't cut us a break in seven eight and, days of racing, man. It's not like it's it's six months. It's really rich people making more money and just I don't know. I, I get the people. I mean, what's the stupid thing I always say? You can't blame people for making money. I mean, it's hard to criticize them for doing it. But in the end, the goodwill shown is just, I don't know. Sometimes I I do have to kind of remember that a lot of what we see and, and what we hear doesn't make it up to the executive level. And if it does... They view it as complaints, right? As nonsense. It's they like, they, oh, they're it's not, not even worth our time, kind of deal. Yeah, it's not constructive criticism. It's 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 complaints, you know. You know, so which you know might get us the Baffert treatment, but I just don't know why people get all upset about it. It just seems weird to me, like. You could certainly make a case he's being treated unfairly because it's he did his time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 I mean, we all know it's more complicated than that. But it just <clears throat> is from our standpoint, it's like, oh, man, I, well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, it's tiresome. No, it just is. It is. You know, especially when you know that CDI could have put this to bed. (laughs) Of course, they're the ones that are dragging it on now. Right. Now it's not Baffert going through the lawsuit thing. It's them giving them a whole nother year. I mean, I don't know what they believe the end game is or or how this is going to how this helps them in the end. I'm sure they have some idea of of what they think is positive out of this, but you know, after disciplining him the last last year, I mean, we thought it was over personally. I, yeah, I, I did. I know. <laughs> but Apparently it's not, and and you hit it right on the head, saying that he he must have pissed off somebody really, 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 really badly it, in that organization for them to to kind of continue this thing. The one thing that's been consistent since Tom Meeker left was Churchill Downs's lack of of how do you put this. Maybe not lack of, but they're hyper-focused on 
standing behind the shareholders' value. We're <laughs> grinding out every single cent was the most important thing in the world, even if giving a little now could make them more later. They, they took that stance of, no, we have no choice. We have to do this, even though that's not true. Companies do R&D. Companies do have long-term projects that don't make the money in the beginning. Virtually every tech company loses shitloads of money in the beginning. Um, and maybe that's a stupid analogy, but the point being that they have have lined up that they've teed that line up more times. This is why we're doing it because we're trying to increase uh, shareholder value. Period. 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 <laughs> it's hard to see how this does that. Yeah. One of our cases in, back in February was like we talked way too, there's so much negativity brought on by this that maybe it doesn't materially affect the derby like from a handle standpoint. I mean, the amount of horses running in the race, uh, if, if 18 horses run versus 20, that affects it way more than any other narrative we could ever come up with just because it's the math behind it. But um, it just seemed like they would want to get back the focus back on, on the racing where even the big broadcast that they do doesn't have to deal with that question anymore. doesn't have to have that narrative um, painted on, onto everything. And I, I almost wonder if the horse that broke down on the Preakness undercard has something to do with it. Yeah, when, I thought about that too. When they, you know, when Churchill Downs was in the midst of its problems, um, you know, maybe that's uh, that's some part of it. I, I don't know. It's hard to really. It's hard to really know, but uh, but in the end, it really doesn't affect much. <laughs> it affects one guy in his his outfit and. Pretty much no one else. Well, I guess that helps Tim Yakbeam. <laughs> He's going to be on the Derby Trail next year. <laughs> <laughs> probably with a couple of solid ones, too. Yeah, probably. So, uh, this, is, this horse went into witness protection. Practical move. Oh, man. He's still in Kentucky. What? Yeah, he was training at Windstar. Kind of a forgotten horse at this point. Him and um, uh, what's the John uh, Sheriff's horse that comes from a million miles away? Go Rocket Ride? Oh, that's Mandela. Um, the one that Victor Espinosa rode and they changed in the Derby and didn't Oh, no, he scratched. Uh, he was one of the scratches. There's so many. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, all I can remember are the two. The, the two that I needed, uh, Mandarin Hero <laughs> and Practical Move, but there was others. What was the name of that horse? I can't believe I can't remember. Is it a California horse? Yeah. He always ran third. That's like all of them. <laughs> you know, if we did the show in the morning, I, I remember things way better in the morning. Let's do it. 
my 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 um my brain function slows down at night time. I don't know. There wasn't that many California horses that were any good. You know, there's people out there right now that, that would be listening to this or like, it's so-and-so, you morons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll tell us if we can, if we don't figure it out first. <clears throat> Skinner. Oh, that guy. Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. Skinner. Yeah. Practical move is. Practically not moving. No. (laughs) He's kind of falling off the map, too. Yeah. People were high on him, but it's amazing how. Absence changes all that. There might be some trainer over in Japan who's got a pretty good older horse sitting thinking this might be the year. Go take a shot at that trying to win the classic. Man, if I was sitting from afar like that, I would be licking my chops trying to get over here. (laughs) I mean, the best older horse is, I mean, the two best older horses are both Trained by Mott and both by Curlin and both want to run one turn. Right. There's there's so much opportunity for for somebody to fill in the gap. Uh, I mean, it seems like Cody's wish is going to run in the Whitney. It'd almost be crazy if they didn't. Right. I mean, you got to try it, especially with the dynamic of nobody in the division. I mean, he's clearly the best horse around right now so why not why not stretch him out and see what he's got and 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 you know honestly at the time the whitney is it's 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 okay if he kind of stubs his toe there right there's time to redirect Mm -hmm. but uh back to a mile i i don't know if i just don't see a lot of downside to it i think if you can win at a mile and an eighth um. Then I think that even if he doesn't run in the Breeders' Cup, if he runs back in the Breeders' Cup mile, because I don't know, just because he can win going a mile and an eighth doesn't mean he can win going a mile and a quarter. Right. I know Bill Mott is obviously Bill Mott, you know, and he seems like he's uh, and and with that outfit's horses, the trainers do not just make the call. That that is a collective decision or more the owners (laughs) right that that is not like they're just doing whatever they want but he doesn't seem um he seems a little hesitant to do it and and that gives gives me pause because you know not knows he's anybody knows sharp guy you know he's been around (laughs) just a little in normal years i could say well but this year, man, it's just, I just don't know who there is to fear. Nobody. I mean, he's the guy, that's the horse to fear, to Put be Put it this way. If he runs in the forego, he's got a much better chance of losing than he does if he runs in the Whitney, in my opinion. He has a much better chance of getting beat by elite power than he does getting beat by West Willpower. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. So it's almost like you you might drop the guillotine on your own head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he won a, he won going a two turn mile in the Breeders' Cup last year, and the last time he tried a mile on eighth. Um, he finished third. It was a long time ago and he came back his next race and he finished third again. I think going seven, eights. he's a different horse, but I mean, he's got the ability to run like minus five thoroughbred figures and nobody else in the older horse division <laughs> outside. Not of even stable. close. <laughs> the only other per- or person, the only other horse can run those numbers is a stable night who's definitely not going to try to go right he's just a sprinter right so it's it's going to be it's going to be hard for me to to think that he's not going to take a shot so so we'll see we shall see yeah man down for it. I'm ready for it. I'm I'm ready for Saratoga. I think that's that's everybody is right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Belmont's running again tomorrow on the fourth. What? Yeah. So we won't see them for three days, right? I don't think so. They won't run again till Friday, right? Yeah, I think Friday. Then your favorite, the Indiana Derby, Saturday, right? And the Iowa Derby is, I think, Saturday or Sunday. Newman. Have you ever been there to, to Prairie Meadows? Uh, you know, I was in the parking lot. <laughs> never made it inside, though, huh? No, I never made it inside. So I, I get phone calls from there all the time. I'm sure. You got to get out there for that fair. I, I can't make it, man. Yeah, you can. It's Iowa. It's Iowa. So? This isn't Field of Dreams, bro. I, <laughs> yeah. It's hard to get anywhere from, from the local airports here. Getting to Iowa is not easy, man. Man, I got there from Orlando. I got to Orlando to Albany International. Yeah, try getting to Iowa. Got that. That's easy. They fly you to Chicago, then you take a little dinky plane to... Chicago's flooded, bro. Hawthorne, underwater. Yeah, man. What was up with that? (laughs) It was crazy. It's like, oh, saw the canceled. Oh, now I see why they canceled. I saw the pictures. (laughs) Everybody's swimming. Yeah. It's our mermaid races. Yeah, they've already drawn uh, for Belmont for this this coming weekend. For the uh, the eighth, the the suburban, which used to be a uh, July fourth fixture, and now it's a July eighth fixture. Uh, it's also a July eighth fixture with uh, five horses. Who are the five? Uh, total tonal impact for everyone's favorite female trainer, Linda Rice. Red Run, not Red Rum, for Mike Maker, who's contractually obligated to have a horse in every race over a mile and a half. Over a mile and a half. Distance, yeah. 
mile and a half or more, it doesn't matter, even though Suburban's a mile and a quarter. Uh, Clapton is the uh, number three with uh, Haramil coming up for the mount. So, you know, he'll be going to the lead probably. <laughs> Charge it, number four. Trying to recapture that. Uh, the Dwyer win, the, man. The Dwyer, yeah. I, I think that might might be his downfall, actually. He just ran too good that day and probably won't ever circle back to that. So what it's starting to look like. Uh, and the fifth horse of five is Unbridled Bomber for Jimmy Ryerson with Irad. Not a great group, but not a great group. Not a great group. It's it's slim pickings, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, in, in that race, what do you do with Charge It? I mean, you put know it, he's going to take money, and put, he's probably not suited to go that far. Put, but it, put it this way. There's nobody else. It's like, should, what should, do you do uh, Should Godolphin and Bill Mott be afraid of those that five? No, definitely not. They could have ran him in that race. He you probably would tied his hind legs together. Right, he would have ran backwards and still won. Yeah. Um. Also, on the eighth, they have the Belmont Oaks Invitational. Did you get invited? I don't know why they got to make it. I mean, it's, it's an invitational <laughs> invite only. Uh, I did not get invited. Boo. Though we do have, uh, we have some, do we have, yeah, we, we've got one participant from overseas, but it's not. Not an Applebee horse. Not Chuck Applebee. Chuck Applebee's in a little bit of a slump in the over, overseas. Yeah, he, he's not, he hasn't been hitting. So, uh, Jimmy Stack bringing a Glen Hill Farm horse. Wow. Ocean Murphy. Aspen Grove, that's uh, that's the horse. They do post. Uh, they do. They do. Uh, they do the outside post nine. Be your best. Who who uh, has done her best to take all my money since I bet on her and she always. <laughs> Papio, Mark Cassie's filly that. Probably should have got taken down at Churchill. Yeah. But didn't. No. Grand Much Ocean. to my benefit, actually. I, I benefited. I had Papio that day. Mission uh, Mission of Joys in there. Okay. That's not bad. That's the horse that uh, won at Tampa, correct? For yeah. uh, yeah. Grand Ocean? Yeah. We got five to one that day. Yeah. You're not going to get that anymore. Well, you might get that on Saturday. But... Yeah. I don't know if she's winning. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably don't have a good chance. Um, and we have a, a uh, grade one race, the Belmont Derby Invitational. You know, that race has been pretty good over the years, to be honest. I, I, I liked, I've enjoyed betting on it because it's kind of a crapshoot. Well, the one good thing about <clears throat> it is it's usually a big field, and this yes. year is no different. There's 11. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Chuck Appleby is represented in that one. How many? Uh, he's just got one, so okay. we're not. He does not bring over Billy Buick, though, which is not a good sign. Um, but there, there's a lot of good horses in this race. Um, Andrew Balding 
sends over the foxes. Murphy's riding that one too. Murphy's a good rider. As long as yeah, he's him. top top class. As long as you uh, world class, you don't let him hang out with Kent the Storm. <laughs> right, be cool. Right, he just doesn't need the, you know. Mendelssohn's march is gonna is Drew Post one Bapio for Cassie. No thanks. Cyber Ninja. Boppy, no. Boppy, no. <laughs> it's Louis Sayas, though. Web Slinger, who made my top ten list of, of three-year-olds. Yeah. Down with Web Slinger. Snuck, snuck in at number ten. Web Slinger was the key to victory to to my uh, my derby triumph. You know, uh, Castellano today got hurt after that one race. Sort of. And then you know, he came back and won the next race. He, he was like the he was like a short was version like Iron of Man. Young, he was like right? a short version of the Undertaker. He came <laughs> back from the dead. They, they unloaded him from the from the right. I saw the tweets. Ambulance. It was like he was three tweets like he was going stuff. to the hospital and everything. And then they're like, "Eh, he's cleared to ride." No, he actually looks okay. Fine. All right, put him back. <laughs> he can get out of the ambulance now. And then he won two more races after yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so he's in there. Farbridge. I like Farbridge. Chris Coleman will be rooting against that one. <laughs> um, the Wizard of Westwood, my man, Mike McCarthy. Whitey shows up uh, with the Wizard. Uh, Kalik for the brown, the Brownies. Gets I read. Uh, Clement and Rosario. Couldn't have a turf race going along without those two. Mondego. Redistricting is uh, another Chad Brown horse. This time, Mr. Julian. Uh, no, Jesus. Sorry, Flavian. Uh, I almost said Julian Lepreau. Flavian Pratt. Uh, and, and the aforementioned the Foxes. Uh, Flavian Pratt. They they announced this week that there's going to be a match race at the harness track with Flavian Pratt. I saw Pratt. that. Yeah, that's wild. Flavian Pratt versus uh, Brett, Brett Beckwith. I have to go with Flav. Flavor Flav. Because he's going to go to the lead, like I told him. Well, we got to see what, what the draw was. Uh, Kevin McDonald today said that, uh, you know, there might be a there might be a talent disparity between the two mounts. So we got we to gotta clarify that before. Yeah, we, we definitely have to do some recon. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Flavian Pratt winds up, like, driving delayed Hanover and uh, – Beckwith is on some four claimer. Might not be a speaking of which might be a mismatch. All right. So I think August, it's August twenty third. August twenty third. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully I'm up there for that. So. Um how how come how come Irad is so terrible on the lead, man? The guy wins a million races and he he just can't time horses up front. It's crazy. Well, I mean, that's why he has to do the swerving. Yeah, maybe he's wor- he's too concerned about the swerving, swerving Irving. I don't know, but it's just I don't know if it's his clock, if he's on you know like the the Joel Rosario plan right now or what. But on the lead, he's not very good. It's insane for the amount of. You know, the races he wins a year. And you know he wins them on the lead, too. And it's just like, well, how good were those horses on the lead? 
I don't know, man. I, I, I don't. I can't spend that much time thinking about jockeys anymore. I try not to, but it's just too glaringly obvious. He did it today, or I mean, yesterday. He did it yesterday. I think it was the eighth race. Lone speed jumped out on top. Got uh, kind of out strategized by Carmouche, who went right by him to the front. And that was the wrap. That was it. He couldn't get back in the race, and it was over. When he had the lead from the beginning and just sort of kept on, it's it's wild. He does it a lot. He makes a lot of mistakes on the lead. It's, it's crazy. I don't know if he'll actually admit to that, but I've seen it too many times. Remember when I was uh, up in arms about the, the money's gold thing at, at Churchill that day? Yes. Where he should have went? Same exact kind I, of situation I, I, where he didn't go, and it's like, what, bro? I, did, I didn't go. agree with you that day, and I still don't agree with you on that. He went, I know you won't. You went twenty-two seconds the second quarter. Yeah, he needs to go fast. Just go fast. That is fast. Snatch his heart. <laughs> no, he snatched their heart. I don't think he take can, it right think, out of him. I don't. There, there's very few horses that can go faster than that. It, it's hard to go twenty-two and then go twenty-two again. Especially when they got the tracks not that deep or not that fast. Yeah, but then the horse was coming back at the end. Uh, she wasn't coming back. The other horse was hanging. She was getting tired. <laughs> She's uh, actually those two. Uh, well, not money's gold. She's was it Red Rocket ride? She's probably she's probably shelved after her last race. Yeah, they they just they need to sprint that horse. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure why they. Trying They're trying to stretch him out. Just yeah. trying to stretch him. I mean, out. I, we know why they wanted. They wanted the great one, but uh, no red carpet ready versus Maple Leaf Mel on. Oh, Maple Leaf Mel is a good horse on uh, Saturday. And Maple Leaf Mel has a trainer change. What? Melanie Giddens is the new trainer of Maple Leaf Mel. Who is that? Who she's named after? Yes, it is. That's dope. Um, she had been working for Jeremiah, who was the trainer of the horse up to recently. And I have no idea if that was a planned change or, or what, but. Uh, Interesting, nevertheless. It's it's quite a race, actually. The victory ride is, is a really good race. Eight horses in there. Um, <clears throat> Dazzling Blue. Coming off a big score, I think an allowance race. Vaha for Shuri. Oh yeah. Um, but Maple, in, in the end, it's probably going to wind up being Maple Leaf Mel versus uh, Red Carpet Ready. Topsy's in there. She likes to go to the lead, but um, those two are the high weights in the race. They carry, they both carry one twenty four. No one else does. Um, Louis Saez regular mount on Red Carpet Ready, but. But that that should be a really good race. Yeah, that might be. Sounds like are, one of the, the best race on the day. Um, you know, I know people have tried to, to tried to pan Goodnight Olive, the the three year old, or excuse me, the Philly Sprint Championship again this year. But there's some really good three year old Philly sprinters, really good. So. Well, if they're fast enough to keep that one pinned in, you can yeah. get it done. <laughs> the, the, the pin job. That was great. That was, that was spectacular on, on Derby Day. 
and then him coming back and getting the money. Yeah. On the turf. Oh, that was that was something. Yeah. Yeah, the reprieve. Well, uh they're they're closed. A bunch of races closed Saturday. The Lake George, the Coaching Club Oaks, the Shoe V. And you know what we got coming up again. Uh oh. Jumpers. Oh, steeplechase. The jump skis. I'm going to cash a jumper this year. I, I was over last year. Yeah? Yeah, Joe Clancy's disgusted with me. As he should be. <laughs> so. Yes, I'm determined to, uh, to cash up. Get him score out on, on the, the jumps. Yeah, man, jumps the jumps are tough. Jumps are not easy. <laughs> That's a tough man. Last year it was wild chalk or impossible. the longest shot of the board. <laughs> no in between. <laughs> yeah. And the only time it did seem to rain was jump day, Wednesday. I remember they used to run the jumpers like in the card. Like right in the regular card. They didn't run them the first race. Yeah, I remember the Turf Riders Cup wasn't yeah. wasn't like the first race of the day. No. It was like it was like fourth or fifth. Yep. It was like in the middle of the card and they're like, oh shit. Jonathan Shepard versus Janet Elliott. That's it. That's all it was every year. And Paul Fout. And uh well the what was the guy um that that smoked all the cigarettes? <laughs> Not, uh, what was his name? Oh man, I could see him right now. The jockey, Tom Voss. Tom Tommy Voss. Voss. Oh no, Tom Voss. Tom Voss smoked twelve million cigarettes. I, I, they could have a smoke off between him and and Beyond Cone. <laughs> Which one would smoke more cigarettes? I, lifetime. Oof. Yeah, after, after Strawberry Road, I, I would who, smoke a lot too. That's who uh, Tom Voss, the, the, the famous one. John's Call. John's Call was yeah, a beast. He, he was winning a beast. They got that, that stake named after him. This yeah, he was mile, a beast. The mile five eight stake on the turf. It always gets like 15. <laughs> yeah, he was. I remember John's Call was up there like with four star Dave. Is like the darlings of Saratoga back in the day. And I re- also remember uh, Julian Leperu kind of had his coming out party up at Saratoga too when he was an apprentice. Won a lot of races on the lead, which he doesn't do anymore. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> well, you know it's a you know it's a big day when Joe Drape gets woken from his slumber and writes a story. Yeah, he's this is the dude that shows up at the He's, Inopportune time, always. He just... he, uh, he wrote the story about the Baffert. 
Did you see the one he wrote today? Yeah. Yeah. No, just just the Baffert story. No, he Why, wrote he, one. He wrote another. Oh, it's one? the same one. Uh, well, he just wrote one tonight. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, basically just kind of you know same old, same old rehashing the whole story. Yes. Done with it. Done with it. Can you hear that? I do. Those are fireworks, bro. They're getting uh, after it <laughs> over here. <laughs> Either that or you're getting invaded. <laughs> like never grenade. tell on these <laughs> over here. You can never tell. <laughs> I had a guy work for me. He was in the Marines. And... Uh, <laughs> He was kind of a funny guy. He was telling us one day. He was a groom. He said, I saw action. I said, you saw action? What war? What? He said, Grenada. <laughs> oh, my God. As a Grenada. Wait, <laughs> that was like a... in like 75. Would one of those uh, medical students throw an iced tea at you or something? <laughs> 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 like, there's no action in Grenada. Like, <laughs> Right. It was just like, yeah, we're here. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never forget that, man. God, we fell out of my fell out of my chair laughing. Act <laughs> <laughs> like you went. The he was off. dressed up for the action, but he didn't see any. Yeah, like you know. Yeah, I was a nom, man. Uh, <laughs> I saw walked, it all on TV, television. Yeah, we walked the Ho <laughs> Trail. No, he went to Grenada. So I, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I guess by next week we'll know where Dame Lillard's going to play. Oh, this Miami. Is the, this is the mile marker for for NBA talk. So, if well, you to, Miami. You want to pull up Miami? He you know, it's funny that yeah, I'm still I'm still convinced he's he doesn't want out. He's just saying that. It, it's funny that. Um, that ever since the announcement came out that like no one's talking about James Harden at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the where's he gonna get traded? Zero. And it's like, oh, oh uh, Dame wants to get traded. Oh James, you gotta go to the back burner, buddy. <laughs> this one's bigger than <sighs> Damn. Yeah, it does it does feel like it's gonna be Miami, but there's gonna have to be some some weirdness. Yeah, some that goes along third or fourth team that that shows that that somehow like maybe I, maybe the, uh, the Harden Time Lords up. team who's been renting guys. They took Oladipo, so he can go to Oklahoma City and do his rehab with the playing pickleball with the Time Lord for a couple draft picks, and then they'll get rid of him. Maybe Harden will end up in Portland. <sighs> no, Portland wants to get rid of guys. Yeah, they, they, Portland, they, Portland doesn't want any more old guys. Nah, they they're rebuilding mode. It'll happen. Like like you said, 
It'll happen. They'll, they'll figure out a way. Pat Riley winds up winning again. I'll tell you what I'd really like to do if I was an NBA team. I'd like to have the draft picks for Miami for the for the year two and three years after Pat Riley finally quits. It ain't happening. Because the guy's a thousand years old and he's not going anywhere. Because that's a team that's probably going to be they're probably going to be maxed out trying soon. To soon. Leaving no assets at all when he finally says, you know what, I had enough. You know, I was talking to my dad about it the other day. I said, it's crazy, but they did that HBO show you know, about Showtime Lakers. And oh, Jerry, yeah, that was a great series. Jerry West got all pissed off because it made him look like a like a, an asshole. But, but if you think about it. That's what he was doing. If you think about it, Jerry West and Pat Riley are two of the top, arguably the top three all-time NBA executives. Easily. But, the, the, you know, Red Auerbach and, and, and them. Right. Those, they're definitely the and, top. And they were they were on the same team. And Riley had the about, <laughs> like, sabotage the guy to get the coaching job. And, and West, <laughs> all he wanted to do was quit. <laughs> and if you think about it, like, how things could have changed. But, I mean, at the time, Bus had two of the greatest executives um, and Riley's coaching record, of course, is, was great, too. And, you know, I guess the lesson there is that, you know, Buss was a guy that knew what he knew, and he knew what he didn't know, and he hired the basketball player. Right. He, you know, he said, I'll take care of the the other stuff. You guys take care of the basketball. We just Right. He good. delegated appropriately. Right. And had the right people. Yeah. And, he and, knew it, too. And changed everything. I mean, they they, they changed everything. So, unlike racing, where you know, where stupid shit is micromanaged to death, I mean, uh. the, the narrative of is always lost. Racing becomes a punching bag. They piss off the horsemen. They piss off the gamblers. They piss off the fans. They piss off literally everyone. And then they drop the mic. And it's over. Yeah. That's racing in a nutshell. So, but uh, so I'm gonna. St- Steve Bick wants me to do some shows with him during Saratoga. Okay, that's what's up. You're gonna be on there with Seth too. If he survives. Yeah, Seth and I are supposed to take over for Steve when he does his annual jaunt somewhere. Jaunt. But he, Steve's over in, in France causing all this riots. And- I saw that. It was all his fault. I guarantee you. Start trouble. Hey, I can guarantee you Steve Bick knows how to make a Molotov cocktail. Oh, no doubt in my mind he knows how to do I'm that. I'm not saying he's over there throwing them. But he could make. One. But he could he could concoct one or two. That guy could definitely do that. If you've ever seen him with a jack, he's like MacGyver. This guy. I'm telling you, he's the greatest jack o' lantern carver that I've ever seen. Yeah, you you, you say it's legendary. I, won't, I I would love to see it. 
Or at least see him wield the knife. Just like... He was like... like Zorro. He's like Zorro out here. He was like Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) With pumpkins. Amazing. Gotta get that on tape. He he actually should... Actually should... He he should, like... Like, rent himself out. You know how the people do those... uh, Those... uh, those audio calls, you know, where they'll call somebody and you pay them like 20 bucks. Oh, they're yeah. And they're like, hey, this is Steve Vick. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. They, they, <laughs> you, he should rent himself out for, for Halloween. Because he's he like that guy even... that that, uh, that does the dance that did the video for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd love a Steve Vick birthday but wish. You could have him come to your house and run your Halloween because he could get all the best candy. And he could, nah, I might need a bulletproof vest he, to do he, that at my house. <laughs> he'd have it all divvied up. And then, he, then he'd get the, the, the jack-o'-lanterns all carved up. These kids are no joke out here. And they then might when shoot the, kids, the kids come, like he, he talks to them and stuff. No, he's a great guy. So I, I don't doubt that. What do you do for Thanksgiving for Halloween? I said, generally, I turn the lights off. <laughs> I go to bed? Home. Eat some candy? I don't know. We pretend we're not home. If I have candy, I stick it in a in a in a, a bowl outside. And... Right, just uh, all right, have at it, bro. That'd you can take all of it. One person can take all of it, yeah. or none of it. Oh no, we're not doing that. <laughs> yes, he's over in the over in France. Pick the hell of a week to go. I know. Uh, another friend of mine was over there too. He went to uh, Paris Disney. Really? Without his children. What? Yeah, without his children. His children didn't go. Him and his wife went to Disney. Crazy. Like on purpose? Yes. Really? Yeah. I think that was part of the plan. That's um... interesting. I'm not sure. I mean, it wouldn't be impossible to get me to go to Disney, but the bribe would have to be really, really big. Well, you come to my house, we go. No, I don't want to go. I, I would like. Well, not. come on, come down. I'm saying it could happen that I would go. <laughs> yeah, it definitely could happen. <laughs> you would, you would need a a really big lure. <clears throat> we got barbecue over here. That's not enough. Oh man. Damn, what, what do we need? To go to we Disney? got horses? There's a farm right here? No, no, no. To go to Disney? Yeah, well, well what, 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 what kind of lore do you need? There's food. There's food everywhere, man. I need 24 hours to do a leap. Oh, man. Other than I, that. I got, I got you. I got you. I could do that. No Disney for me. <laughs> I could do that. Though maybe Disney Paris doesn't have, or Disney France, whatever they call it. Maybe they don't have kids. Are kids not allowed? I don't know. I didn't see any in their pictures now, now that I'm thinking about it. No, well, it might be a Disney I'd be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> see, you're like me. I, I just go for the food. Like, when I was single before I got married, I had a, um, a Disney and Universal annual pass. So, basically, I used to just go there after, you know, like five and eat and just go to dinner mm-hmm. by myself. I, I, I've eaten at so many restaurants on Disney property. It's unreal. I could tell you, I can give you a review of most of them. 
Even the ones at the hotels. Been going to those too. Mm. <laughs> I had a lot of time on my hands when I was single. Apparently so. <laughs> Between that and the dog track. Uh, speaking of which, I, I saw uh, when I was single, I went. I used to go to the movies on the weekdays because I had shit to do. Right. So there's this one place in, in Orlando and they used to do basically half price movies. So I used to watch two. While I was in there, uh, it was just me and Gilbert Arenas watching Transformers. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. Now you know the movie. Now you know the dates. Agent Zero. Yeah. Saw Hito Turkoglu there. Was um, he smoking a they, cigarette? He was smoking a cigarette, and he was locked out at the time. They locked him out of the facility. They did? Yeah, for a while. Because they were trying to get rid of him. And I, and I they, think of, of all the NBA players that I've ever seen, he is the most likely to smoke a cigarette on the Oh, board. yeah, he definitely gets down with the squares, bro. Newport cool guy, too. Oh. <laughs> you know hanging he, out with the brothers, so he, 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 <laughs> he's got new ports and cools. He's gonna, gonna do the menthol. <laughs> as long as he didn't have like the Newport or Cool or Marlboro like gear, you know how he yeah smoke way too many cigarettes and they give you shit like you know a cooler or <laughs> like all kinds of nonsense. I know my my. My grandfather used to get stuff all the time. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Well, I'm happy the NBA Summer League started. Yes, we finally get something other than USFL football. That's over, too. I know. That's it, man. Not much going on. Horse racing. Soccer. Soccer. Soccer schmocker. Well, we can get done with this show or wrap it up. Watch wrap it up, B. Wrap it up. Watch second half of the uh, the Kings Warriors Summer League game. That's what I'm saying. From Sacramento. Got a whole bunch of... Beers in the fridge. Sacramento. I'm pulling all nighter. I ain't got. I gotta do shit tomorrow. Well, it's there's not only that one I do more shit game. any other day, but whatever. <laughs> there's only one more game, so whatever. Like, so I'll tape it and watch it twice. Watch it again. Break <laughs> it down. Send the break it down. Oh, I know my wife. It, if it's not me, like using the DVR to show her how to break down plays and like. Or me showing her how horses lose races. She probably would never watch any television. It's my fault, though, because I, I do that. I don't watch television very often. See, I do. I do like a regular, little bit of like regular television. I don't. I just don't watch it very often. See, I do. I, I multitask. I have like three or four things going on at once. So maybe two TVs on, and then whatever I'm doing on the computer or my phone. 
Well, I I had the Time Lord checking out the uh, the Thunder game so I can get a full scouting report on the, Chet. On the guy Chet Holmgren, who I've you know that was I, I did the first Dame Lillard deal. Hey, I traded Dame Lillard in an NBA fantasy. You did, and I got back Chet Holmgren. So that that should be the the baseline. That should be where they start. All I'm gonna say is my son does not like sports all that much but he knows who Chet Holmgren is the Chet so that tells you a lot Chet the Jet he knows who Chet Holmgren is did he bring the sword to Hawaii or is he still- no it's it's still here <laughs> couldn't get that one on the plane <laughs> uh yeah what are you checking sword <laughs> <laughs> In fact, he's actually sending his his uh, PlayStation Five. Really? He doesn't yeah. want. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I'm I'm waiting for that shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he has nowhere to put it, I guess, and he's like, I'll just send it home before he ships out. Out. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, he's on a ship. He's gonna be on a ship, right? Yeah, yeah. For like a year and a half. Well, at least it's one of those big ships, and the sharks and the orcas won't. You know what's crazy is he he bought a bicycle to ride around Hawaii. Yeah. Because I guess that's easier than anything else. Right. So he bought it, and then he had to register the bike. So they gave him a sticker, but also sent one here to Florida. What did they do that for? So Amber put it on her bike. So (laughs) So she could, like, like ride her bike, to right? Place. If she could pedal all the way to Honolulu, or, or what's the local uh, naval station? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell her if that guy gives her trouble at work that I, I will come down for that. Oh, that motherfucker. No, he's... <laughs> I, I won't I won't come down. I won't go to Disney, but I'll definitely come down for Bucky's and, and to... And to pound that dude's face and <laughs> pull out the sword. Oh, yeah. That guy needs the sword treatment, for real. Chop one of his arms off. Well, um... It's been real. Yes, it has. Happy Fourth of July, everybody! Yes, Happy Fourth of July. Don't blow your burgers, hot off. dogs, coleslaw. What else? I was, at, I was at the mayor. The mayor had potato a, salad, right? The mayor had a a party yesterday. Did he have salads? Uh, there was did. salads there. He, he had salads, wings. He got uh, no sausage and pepper though. Okay. Did he cook them? Burgers, hot dogs. Did he cook it? No, of course not. He didn't cook that. He cooked what? hamburgers. He can only cook hamburgers. Literally, that's oh man, but I'm gonna talk to the mayor. But uh, local legend Ray the bartender was his 85th, so happy birthday, Ray! At a bar, had a little party for Ray. Ray works over at the harness track now. All right, let's go see Ray when we get those the, the, the barbecue sandwich. Ray, Ray, big Dolphins fan, Ray. All right, that's my man, way back, Dolphins Super Bowl bound. Letting you know right here first. You're the first to hear it. 
Yeah, they better get this Twitter thing figured out by the time football season starts. Yeah, because I'll go through 600 tweets in like a half a second. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm coming after Jet fans. <laughs> As you should. Right. <laughs> Everybody should. 58-year-old quarterback. Oof, that guy. He may be 58, but he was better than my dad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Imagine that. Joe the Namath. old guy is the best option. They could they could bring Joe Namath out there in a wheelchair. And... I would have took him, too. Uh, all right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll speak next week. After, yes, we uh, will. Next week will be well closer to Saratoga. <laughs> next week will be the the last show before Saratoga. That's right. It'll be our our pre Saratoga kickoff show. Jam jam. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's. A, I know it's, it's, this it's, this year's flown by. Yeah. It's already July, dude. It's crazy. It sure is. All right. Well, we will talk at you later. Hey, if you haven't done it already, it's time for you to sign up for the Going in Circles Digest. Go to www.goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and click on the link to subscribe for free for the latest in stakes previews and stories and all kinds of other assorted nonsense. And I even put up some cool videos every once in a while for uh, historic purposes. Anyways, check it out. Going in circles, digest.substack.com. It's free. It should be for you.